Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. Happy Book Talk Day. <laughs> Just had to get that stretch out. Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is a weekly podcast where we talk about a section of a book. We're talking about the second section of Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. So this is going to cover chapters six through nine. So we're halfway through the book. It's so good so far. In this section, um, Michelle goes home after finding out that her mom is sick and her mom goes through her first round of chemo and has a really terrifying bad reaction to it. Um, we see a little bit more of her and her dad's relationship and how he is struggling. And eventually um, they get some help in taking care of her mom. And Kai comes to visit as her mom goes through her second round of chemo um, as they try to figure out how to all live and care for her together and make the most of this really scary time. We learn a little bit more about Umi's relationship with Michelle and her sickness. And then we end this section with the super sad news that Michelle's mom's cancer is not responding to treatment and she wants to go to Korea one last time which was such a sad ending to this section. But I love the – I don't love it, but I think it's it speaks how people feel after they go through chemo and they're like, okay, I don't want to do it anymore, but I want to start – she's like, it's the transition from you're dying and you're really struggling with it to like, okay, I want to like live this last part. So I thought the part about going to Korea was very sweet to end this on. It's a very – understandable reaction to have seen her sister go through so many rounds of chemo and then decide like I don't want to do that I don't want to put myself through that but it's so I mean it's just so sad like I want to go one last time and enjoy this trip with you I just feel like oh I don't know this this book is giving me a lot of like anxiety thinking about like cancer is very scary it's just such like a crazy, unbelievably tragic illness and to have to like make those choices of how do you make the best of six months that you have or whatever. You know, we don't know how long her mom is going to be around for following this, but it's just oh, so sad. And the scenes in this section in particular where her hair is falling out in the bathtub, where she's like in the car and Liz like doesn't know what's happening to her. It's just, it was a lot. It was a lot, but I'm loving this book. I think it's su such an accurate portrayal of someone who is sick um, and how her family is coping with that. And it's not like a hero narrative of like, wow, she's handling it so well. Everyone's handling it so well. It's like, actually, everyone's handling it horribly. <laughs> I do like that as well, that she's portraying it in a very realistic way that actually kind of shows how she's going through it. It's not a hero narrative, but it's also not this like, it is a really sad book, obviously, and these are really sad things that her family is going through that are really tragic, but she also weaves it with enough, um, like regaling us with stories of her childhood and of the food and of her trips to Seoul and like, of her family's love for each other and of her mom's love for her, that there's enough kind of breaking it apart that you really feel like you're in this with her family. Because even going through something like chemo, there's there are moments of like her being loving towards her mom and then finding common ground. Like there are still these moments of tenderness or of happiness, even going through something so awful. So I just feel like she does a really good job of portraying what it's like to be there. One thing from this section that I really loved was the story about how her mom sent her these cowboy boots 
and how when she put them on, they were already broken in because her mom had essentially worn them around the house with two socks and gone through like the painful part of wearing them, like anticipating that she didn't want her daughter to go through that pain. Just like such a beautiful, almost metaphor for what moms try and do. And also in this situation, how like taking the pain and the difficulty from some experience can actually like warp your child's experience. It's like, I'm not giving you the knowledge of what it takes to get to this like comfortable position. Instead, I'm just giving you the comfortable position and then being surprised that like you can't, you didn't have like the skills to accompany it. I don't know. I think this is like representative of how Michelle's mom has raised her of like taking the hard part, covering for the hard parts for her because that's what she thinks that loving her is, is like, can I go through the hard parts for you when really we all have to go through the hard parts? Yes, I feel like the part about the cowboy boots is very sweet. Um, And I think that's what Michelle's thinking about when her mom's going through chemo and she's just trying to wish that she could take some part of that pain away from her. Um, But I do think, yes, everyone has to go through it. You have to learn the skills that you have to struggle. And if you take away all the hard parts while they're growing up, it's just going to delay when they go through it. Like, that's what's happening to Michelle. I feel like she's her childhood has her mom has been covering for everything. She's been making it as easy as possible. She's breaking in the boots. She's trying to take away all suffering. So then I feel like Michelle rebels against that, pushes back against it. Um, not like consciously, but then she goes through struggles of her own, like with her band, with her family. Um, and she has to learn to like develop those skills just on a delayed timeline because her mom was trying to like really stop her from having to have any kind of suffering but that's how we grow as humans is figuring out how to get through hard things like that and also we see michelle has like picked this up as well because michelle finds out that her dad is having affairs and doesn't tell her mom that like what she finds she thinks like oh i'll basically just like lay on this and i'll cover it and deal with it and deal with what this knowledge means for me and then no one else has to deal with it. It's sort of like if I take the hard part, then the ramifications will be easier for everybody else. But that's not allowing anybody else to deal with it. It's sort of like we all kind of, they all have to deal with it at the same time. I think the sickness is forcing them into this area where everybody has to deal with it at the time. Nobody can cover for anybody else's experience. You really can't escape it. Like it is all consuming. I think that's a theme of this book though, too, is covering up for other people. Like Kai also is talking about that in her section, um, or her mom's talking about Kai experiencing it when she finds out her mom isn't really her mom and she never, she knows and she never tells her and just cares for her as if she is And the mom knows obviously and never tells Kai and just loves her like a daughter. And I think sometimes people are afraid what will happen to the people they love if they tell them the truth, what will happen to those relationships? What will, what will it look like if they face this truth? And so instead of figuring that out, which can be scary, they're like, actually we'll just sweep that right into the rug and go about our days. So yeah it reminds me of um I was just listening to Tim Ferriss's I'm like going back and listening to some like old Tim Ferriss episodes he's this like a four-hour work week guy like productivity kind of self-improvement and this is a slight trigger warning sexual assault discussions coming pausing for you to fast forward Um, okay, sorry. So Tim Ferriss, um, was abused as a child by a babysitter's son and he basically didn't tell anybody this story and he thought like one day I will write, he basically made up up in his mind when my parents are dead, I'll write about it in a book. 
And at some point him and his girlfriend were talking and she was like, there are people who will not be alive by the time your book comes out who need to hear this. And like his idea was essentially like, this is going to be so painful for my parents. Let me not talk about it. And that way they don't have to deal with the pain. And his, his girlfriend was basically like, but what are you do? What are you enduring essentially by holding on to this? on their behalf which they never asked you to do it's sort of like he got into this weird headspace and then was never able to like process that trauma until it basically forced him to process it um and so he did end up eventually sharing it it's a really great podcast episode um but i think that's a it's similar to this it's like we have this instinct to do things and to protect each other to like bear the burden ourselves but it's like nobody ever asked her to do that. She didn't ask her mom to break in those cowboy boots. Right. And it's also reversing to her mom. It, I think it's hard to in like the parent-child relationship. And we see that with the mom. She's struggling so much going through chemo. She's so sick. And she's still like, did you and your dad eat? Do you have everything that you need? Like worrying about caring for her because it's hard to show how much she's struggling because that kind of breaks the dynamic that she is so carefully crafted between her and her daughter and her husband. And she's really the glue that holds that together. So when she's sick, they're kind of like flailing about and they have to figure out how to live their life without her. And it does seem like she really is that for their family as much as she has her own, her own shit to work through. Like her dad's story and where she came from, she really is this like guiding rock for their family. So I think everything is kind of falling apart and they're going to have to figure out how to rebuild it. Even if, you know, obviously, even if it takes, even if she's alive for a long time after this part of the book, it's still going to be a different version of the life that they've been living. What are you thinking of the book so far, Katie? I think it's good. I think when I was reading the dust cover of it, I was like a little bit nervous to start it because I was like, is this going to be a really depressing book about struggling with cancer and somebody dying and I'm just like I don't know am I in the headspace to read something that that's that awful um and so I finally did start reading it but I did wait till the last minute because I was like I don't know and I am like very pleasantly surprised it's really enjoyable to read and I love the way that she writes and I love the mix like I think I said earlier about these really hard moments with also these stories of the food and and her family um so it is really sad and tragic but the way that she writes doesn't leave me feeling like awful after I read a section of it. I'm still like, you know, wanting to read more. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. I feel like she's not being intentionally, I don't want to say like emotionally manipulative, but you know, like some books are really like going for you. Mm -hmm. Like they're going, they're, they're trying to make you cry. Right. It's like this book is not, it's not trying to editorialize around the details. She's just telling you what happened. Right. Right, which I think is why I'm enjoying it much more than I thought I would. What do you think of this? Most of the section was about Kai and her visiting uh, Michelle and her mom and her dad. And what did you think about her and that kind of time they're spending with her? Dax Shepard has talked about how, like, basically because of the trauma that he's experienced, he's really, really good under pressure, where it's like when everything is going totally to shit, he's the person who's like, okay, here's what we need to do. Here's a five-point plan blah 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 like this is what we're gonna go for and 
I always like wish that I would be that person who would like bring order when there's like chaos. I don't think that I am. I think you are that person. Like you have brought order when I have been in like personal trauma, chaos situations. Um, but that is Kai who's like, okay, here's our list of activities that we're going to do. But what I think is so funny about the Kai section is that it reminds me of how (laughs) on TikTok, there's this like trend of how we all see ourselves as the main character and I think this that section is exactly that. It's like Kai is there to help. And then it spins into this whole thing for Michelle of like, but actually I wanted to help even though she couldn't really help. And she wants to cook even though she can't really cook, but she wants to learn how to cook so that she can be closer to her mom so that she can help her mom. And it's just like, it all is about Michelle. And then we learn like, oh, Kai's story about how she wasn't appreciated and she's an outcast and she has some like mental health issues. So Kai's also main charactering this story of like, here's my chance to be a savior and here's my chance to center myself by shaving my head because I'm also going through this with you. And it's just like, oh, my God, everybody in this story is like, I am the this is the personal tragedy as told through me the main character of this story. (laughs) Well, I feel like that's people in real life, though. They're like, how does this actually relate to me? Like what they are. People put themselves at the center of the story constantly. I think that's I don't know the TikTok trend because I'm not a good TikToker, but um, I get it. The point of it, the main character. And her dad just being like using this as an excuse to go drinking and then being like, tell me that you'll never leave me to Michelle. And you're like, dude, shut up. Like, this is not about you. (laughs) But people also, you know, process everything process grief and struggle in such different ways and I think you know last week I was talking about how we love people in different ways and I think being able to like pull yourself out of this main character view and be like what are these people trying to not get out of this but how are they viewing this situation and then to have some like understanding and respect for that could probably make that a little bit easier I don't know how easy that is of a tactic to employ when you're actually going through this but you know I think when Michelle finds out Kai's whole backstory and what she's struggling with and how she may be trying to kind of redeem herself through being the caretaker here um, and being able to actually save her mom um, maybe helps her be a little bit more grateful for her presence. But yeah, like appreciating what they're all doing. Like, you know, no one's going to replace Michelle as her daughter and of the fact that she's home and trying to do all these things for her mom, who I'm sure is finally like, okay, the daughter that I raised is finally here. She has arrived. She's trying. Like, this is good. Kai is never going to replace that. But Michelle is having such a hard time being grateful for the fact that because Kai did grow up in Korea, she does know more about, you know, what foods she can make or what foods could be healing towards people or even just understanding more of the culture of these like small acts of, as she calls them, small acts of vanity, which Michelle fully rejects. She's like, I'm not putting on makeup. I don't need, you know, that's not who she is, which is fine. But I feel like Kai sees that in her mom and is like, this is something that could make her feel a little bit more human while she goes through this thing. And instead of being grateful for that, Michelle's like, why wasn't that me? Which I think is hard to not do when you're going through something. Um, And the dad just like can't, he can't hold it together. Um, I think there's like always one person who ends up being the one who's strong, who kind of pulls it through, which is, Michelle and Kai in two different ways right now because Kai is not helping her dad. So they're kind of both holding that role of the person who's kind of pulling it together, who has the coping mechanism, the plan, whether they want to be that person or not. But I do think, yeah, people come into it in different ways. I am definitely the deal with craziness by having a 
a checklist and a plan or just being like, okay, whatever this is, I may not know what to do, but I'll figure it out. And like freaking out or being, you know, really worried about isn't going to like help me figure it out. Um, yeah, the chaos is definitely better. It's the moments of calm that I feel like much more worried. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is Michelle kind of feeling like an outsider in both her family as her mom's going through this and also when she was growing up. Um, you know, her she just wants to learn to make the food. She wants to have the knowledge. She wants to be able to kind of care for her mom. And Kai is basically making her making her feel like, you know, you don't know enough. You're not really Korean enough to like understand what it is that she needs or how to cook this food um, that will help her. And she kind of tells two narratives at the same time. She's talking about that happening in present. And she's talking about the past of her trying to kind of shed the Korean part of her identity. So she's really showing kind of the dichotomy of which one does she want to embrace and how does she embrace them both equally and who she is in that, in the middle of all of that. to South Carolina for the weekend it was great more like a travel trip and not a vacation trip because we were just seeing everybody um but we got to eat a lot of good food I got to do my Saturday morning routine that I did when we lived there and go to the farmer's market get my honey habanero latte also there's the salad and everyone was making fun of me it's called an avocado dream salad and I was like I need to go to the market and I need to be there early so that I can get this salad and they were all like there's no chance four years later that that lady is still at the market do you know what she was there and she had a full rebrand and a whole like huge stall and all her kids are working and I was like yes we're doing this open a restaurant um but yeah it was great and it was like perfect weather um went to some new breweries and it was really fun it was good to see everybody it is like uh you know weird to be like constantly socializing and out and about for a whole weekend Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. after being indoors for a year and like with the same group of people um it's also funny to do that like with jason because i'm like i think we we like would tell the same stories with each group of people because we're like yeah we're selling our house and we got a cat and then like the next group are like we're selling our house and also we got a cat (laughs) just like four times in a row um which is funny but it was great good what um what else are you reading besides oh this is good so i i'm reading girl woman and other which i I'm loving so far. I forgot to bring it on the plane. I forgot to bring everything but my Kindle. And my mom recommended this book. She was like, it's called In an Instant. She already bought it. So I was like, perfect. Just read that on the plane ride. I am calling her today because it is an extremely morbid book. I'm like, I mean, it starts out with this like car crash and two people die. And then it's like the after, two children die. And it's like the after effects of this. It is wild. Um, I will say that I only have 40 pages left. So, you know. It was quite good, but it's just like really morbid. Wow. I know. Um, so I don't even know how it's going to end, but it was like a traumatic plane ride read. But I also couldn't put it down. 
Yikes. I was like walking through the airport reading it. That like level of I have to know what happens. Ooh. Um, I love that. I love when you get into that stage where you're like, I have to keep reading this. Um, I am reading Yeah, Jesse. I think that's how you say her name. Uh Homecoming. Uh Yeah is like a super prolific, amazing novelist and I haven't read anything that she's written and she just recently came out with Transcendent Kingdom which I have heard is amazing but I wanted to start with Homecoming and then read Transcendent Kingdom and I'm loving it so far but it is woo, it's intense it's really really intense I actually it's one of those I'm currently in a scene where I an African woman who is in route to being enslaved is like in this dungeon and it is absolutely abhorrent and disgusting and it's so fucking tragic and sad but the way she's telling it is so amazing but I'm like I need to keep reading so I can like get Process this, this through this book. dungeon yes like I need right I just need to, I need get to finish out. I'm like I don't know what is coming next but like it cannot be as bad as where she is right now like we have to, but maybe it is I don't know but I'm like I gotta get her it's like so funny when I mm-hmm. pause when I'm reading I think the character's like stuck there and I'm like no no we have to keep going like, oh I feel I like that to too. move you through this that's why I couldn't put this book down because they were searching for the second child and I was like I have to fi- figure out they find him like he cannot just be outside in these cold woods I need to know what happens oh, oh. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one and I was like literally couldn't put it down this is Jason and I at lunch and I was like I'm really sorry but I can no longer socialize I have to read this book um luckily he's pretty used to that by now but <laughs> I was like I'm sorry I'm gonna eat these chicken tenders and read <laughs> I thought you had read I Transcendent was a Kingdom bit... you haven't read it no I have? thought you had read it no I haven't read it yet I'm excited to read it it's on my list I was a little bit in a book slump we've talked about like I get in book slumps in between books so I just read Haruki Murakami's uh, collection of short stories um first person singular which I really did not like I'm I mean I liked it I'm obsessed with Murakami I've read everything I was gonna he's say ever you written. love them right yeah so it's like this is my least favorite Murakami which is still better than a lot of other books that I've read <laughs> but it just I didn't it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be it's definitely like he's at the stage where he can just like sit down and like here's just some like bs thoughts that i had that Mm. i thought were like interesting and like (laughs) they don't have to be completed (laughs) and i can just ship it and everybody's gonna buy it like he's at that stage which like good for him but but not for the reader it didn't like yeah the stories were all open-ended on purpose and it sort of like starts with this metaphor of like sometimes the thinking through the problem it's like very zen it's like there is no answer it's meant to like for you to ponder over and that's what a lot of the stories were which are it's an interesting exercise but it didn't quite land it for me also he just like loves objectifying women and talking about how they look and then the last story he's like talking about this woman who's really ugly and it's just like ugh, dude yeah i don't love that yeah anyways <laughs> so i was in a slump but now i think i'm over it because i cannot wait to keep reading homecoming is it home going is it home going oh no i think it's homegoing oh no it's homegoing oh my god it's okay so it's okay you're a human it's fine you have to leave that oh whole god. mantra in there it's, it's like it's- i know oh, is this is my authentic self <laughs> but 
Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. This week in the section we talk... Mm. Nope. Okay. Can we do the book talk spiel? Yeah, do the book talk spiel, and then I'll be mentally ready to do the summary, you know? <laughs>